I'm Mubina Jaffer, and welcome you to my podcast, Every Voice Counts. Today I have an immense pleasure to interview an inspiring woman from Ghana who has deeply enriched and impacted African children's literature. Deborah knows the power of books, and so she started collecting donated books and shipping them to African children to give all the children the opportunity to see themselves reflected in the books they read. When I met with Deborah, the first question I asked her, where were you when I was younger? I was yearning to read books of children like me. I was yearning to read about my culture and my country. Instead, I read English literature and learned about English kings and learned about life in England. But I lived in Uganda and there were no books that showed the reality of the children of Uganda. Deborah is changing that for African children. Deborah has a lot of accomplishments. She recently won the Global Pluralism Award for her inspiring work. Take the time to hear Deborah's voice. Deborah, it's such an honor to have met you. I am so excited. Deborah Ahankora is from Ghana. And, you know, I'm from Uganda, and uh, for us, Ghana is very special because it was the first African country to get independence, and we all remember Nkrumah. And uh, so I could go on and on about Ghana, <laughs> but that's not why we are here today. So I want to talk to you about, um, uh, you know, the, your journey on getting books for children in Africa. So I think the seed was probably planted when I was younger because um, I realized that through books, children could create in their minds parallel realities to what they were going through. And those parallel realities could be the escape for whatever situation they found themselves in. So I grew up as the 12th of 13 children in a very middle-class family in Accra, Ghana. After high school, I got a scholarship. I went to one of the best universities in the U.S. and I've had so many privileges because of the education I had. And I credit all of that directly to the books that I fell in love with. So I understand that books can change lives for children who don't have many options. And even for children who do, it broadens your mind and your understanding of the world in such a way that it makes your life so much richer. And I think that um, for me, in a world where there are many problems that I don't know if we'll solve in our generation, I don't know if I can personally contribute to, this is something that I know. This is something that I care deeply about, and this is something that I can put my skills, my energy, my resources towards, and I'm committed to doing that, and I'm committed to pushing it as far as possible, eradicating the problem as far as possible, because there are some things that we may not change, but this can change. This is, 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 there should not be a world in which some children don't see themselves in books. 
it's not rocket science. And that is why um, I just was so taken the minute I saw you because I, for all my life I've been struggling with having books reflect my reality. Mm-hmm. And you know, every time now I read a book that reflects my reality or my East African reality, yeah. uh, it's like I will read it three times because I, it reflects my life. Right? Yeah. It's not that that, that book or that's, that uh, uh, story is about my life, but yeah. it's about reflection of who you are. Yeah. And when you do these books, what you're doing is you're empowering the children to reflect their life. We sometimes take for granted concepts that exist in our own realities and how they may not cut across. So across the African continent, literacy, early childhood education is still a developmental challenge and it's still something that we're working toward. So what that means is that in many communities, children don't have access to books. So they receive donations of books from around the world, rightly so, because how else are they going to have those books? But when those books are imbalanced, then a lot of the options you have is just what is placed on your desk. So imagine a little girl going to school in rural Ghana. She doesn't speak English. The first day she goes to school, she's given a book, and the book is about Snow White. The village she lives in doesn't have electricity, so she's, they don't have ice. And the book is about snow and apples, and none of those things are in her reality. And they have nothing to use as a reference point to explain to the little girl what these things are. Half the lesson is spent trying to explain this to the girl by a teacher who herself does not understand these things. And that shouldn't be the case. There should be options. There should be balance so that that is a book that can be enjoyed and appreciated. But there's other, there are other options in which the realities are more familiar. Um, and for those options to, to be able to travel around the world so that in the same way that little girl is reading Snow White, their children here in Canada are reading about little little children in Ghana. That's what the world should look like. So in, um, in a rural village in Ghana where there's no electricity, no ice, and a child has a book like Snow White, A teacher using that concept of the book and snow to explain to a little girl what that book means, it's it's almost an impossible challenge because the teacher herself doesn't understand it and the child struggles with that concept. And why is, you know, yesterday you were saying that the child, there's no electricity in the village, so they can't even, you know, have a fridge and they're Mm -hmm. not having glass. And so how do you explain the concept? And so, you know, what you read in books is something you don't see around. Yes. And for us Canadians, we're very lucky that the books reflect what's around us. Yes. There is another challenge that I want to speak to you about, Deborah, and that is that I am really, really concerned about, uh, I can only speak of my country in Canada, that less people, children are reading less. Yeah. It's not the culture where every child would have a book in their hand. And yeah. they would, they're reading less. Yeah. And yesterday you spoke about your love for books. Yeah. Can you share that with me? Yeah. I think, you know, you do less of something that hasn't engaged you. And you do more of something that captures your mind and delights you. And, and for me, I, at a point I wasn't a reader. And then I became a reader who would never stop. 
because I found books and the kinds of books that captured my mind. So for me, I am a big advocate for for us publishing diversities of books because different things resonate with different children. So I think if children aren't reading more and more, a big part of it could be because they, they aren't finding enough of what they love. So a book like Harry Potter was a massive craze and people who had never picked up books were suddenly reading 800 pages of a book that they were so fascinated by. So in the cultural context, if children from diverse backgrounds have access to diverse books, those books could make them more of readers because those are stories that are speaking directly to what they know and what they care about. You know, and you are a publisher Mm -hmm. and you are encouraging people to write Yes. And what, what efforts are you making to encourage people to write books yeah. so that you can publish those yeah. books? So over the past 10, 12 years, we've launched a literature prize and the goal was to inspire African writers to create stories for children. And we've expanded that literature prize to also support illustrators. Through those prizes, we've realized that a big need for our writer and illustration community has been training and workshops. So that's something that we've instituted. And we find some of the best writers and illustrators around the world, and we connect them to African talent to help us to grow our skills. Once that's done, we connect the books to publishing opportunities. So in the past, we worked with several publishers. Now we've established our own publishing house. By doing that, we have the power to publish as many books as we want are the highest quality that we want and once that's done we want to partner with other people to translate into different languages to um, have the books available in different markets Deborah I've had the privilege to see the books some of the books <laughs> not all some of the books you publish you absolutely are right they're really good quality books and one of the things that's really important is how a child perceives who they are yeah. in what they read and how yeah. you know what kind how are they perceived in a book yeah. and you you are empowering children yeah. but, but you know I'd like you to share with the listeners the name of your publishing yeah. house and how librarians parents can get hold of your books yes. can you can you let us know so that people can reach out to you, to your publishing house, to get these books into Absolutely. our schools? Absolutely. So our publishing house is African Bureau Stories, and we have an online shop that ships worldwide, so people can place an order on our website, and in a few weeks they'll have our books um, in their hands. And I'd like to ask you some fun questions yes, of uh, before we finish this podcast and so what is your favorite book? Okay. Especially more importantly, when you were young. Yes. Definitely a Canadian bias here. But truly, <laughs> my, one of my favorite books was Anne of Green Gables. Oh. I loved, I oh. still do. I am a groupie. I am one of those who will watch all of the movies, all of the animations. And um, for me, that was a, I am such a universal story of a little girl who dreamed you know, big dreams, and in spite of the hurdles in her way, she went on to chase them, and um, the character is alive in so many ways, and, um, the you know, the town of Avonlea, I mean, everything about that book, um, so yeah, still a, a big favorite. Wow, how old were you when you read it? I, I must have been 10 oh. when I read, yeah. 
the yeah. this this yeah. really pulls my heartstring because I have a six year old granddaughter mm-hmm. and I've just been reading this book to her and you know even from Vancouver she doesn't completely relate to many things in the book because uh, it's it's in Prince Edward Island yeah. and the place and so you know and so now it really brings it home that yeah. you could be living in the same country yeah. and you could still have challenges and so yeah. De- Deborah we could. We could ask you so many questions, and I'm sure we will have other opportunities to talk to you. But if you wanted children who are listening to you, or their parents who are listening to you, if there was one message you would like to give, what would that be? Um, I think for me, it's I'm a new mother. I have a two and a half year old, and. Before I became a mother, I thought that I would be like the queen of diverse books. Like that would be everything I did because it's all I believe in. But even for someone like me, it takes extra steps to ensure that I'm exposing my child to diverse content and what he's watching and what he's reading. And it's made me realize that for us to see this new kind of world, where diversity, inclusion, and in our books is the norm, it takes a lot of a lot of extra responsibility for each of us. It takes a lot of extra steps. It doesn't happen normally because we live we live in a society that for for a long time has has had a bias towards one people versus others that has excluded one people versus others, and that's okay for us to have those books. It's not okay for there to not be a balance. If tomorrow every one of us was to go into bookstores and demand that I want to buy a diverse books and buy those books, publishers would respond. They would produce more of those books. They would reprint the books that we buy out and, and more and more people will begin to change this problem. So individually, we each have the power to, in like in two years, the, the world of children's books could be drastically different if we would all realize that this was important and we would take it on ourselves as a responsibility. So I want to urge listeners, children, librarians, parents, educators, that we have a responsibility for our children's education and what we expose them to, to reflect what the world looks like. An inaccurate education is not okay. A myopic education is not okay. So we should show children what the world looks like through books. And you know, I want to finish with this thought is that when we came here to Canada many years ago, over 40 years ago, there were no Swahili books mm. in, in the libraries. And now we have Swahili books and the librarians have responded to, you know, so that we can read Swahili. And so, and what you were saying to librarians especially, which yes. is, uh, you know, because I, I really uh, grew up in libraries, mm. so I want to uh, urge librarians to think about who comes to borrow those books yeah. and how can you keep that child coming to borrow yes. books and what is the reality of yes. the child. Yes. You've certainly empowered a lot yeah. of children Thank by you. what your work you're doing. Thank you. I, I hope our paths cross again soon. Oh, yes. And I know that Canadian librarians are listening to you and I have absolute faith that they will also get your books. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you.